Hi, Greg. Hey. Hello. Hello, it's movie time. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish that noise in the background. What was that noise oh. in the background? It sounded like a train. Uh, welcome to movie time. Is uh, Grayson? Go ahead, Grayson. Hello, and it, it, as you know, it, yes, it is. It is movie time, and we are back again. And I hope that you guys all had a wonderful turkey day and got very stuffed. Did you get stuffed, Kente? Yes, Full I turkey? did. No turkey. I had steak for uh, <laughs> for it. Ooh. I broke with tradition. So I grilled some steaks and uh, had baked potato and some green vegetable. I can't remember what it was, but uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So. And I I had tofurkey, but I made my very very first turkey. The hell is a tofurkey? I've heard this before. What is that? It's to- uh, it is a soy version of turkey. Oh Jesus! Uh, and it is delicious. I'm a pass on really? that. I'm a, I'm a pass <laughs> on the really tofurkey. Oh jeez! And also with us tonight we have the amazing Mike Boyd. Hey Mike. Hi. Hello so everybody. So did you enjoy? Hello. Did you enjoy your turkey day? <laughs> Actually, I can't remember what we had. Um, it might have been. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, we did have turkey like about uh, two weeks prior. And uh-huh. uh, we just, I think we finished it off. <laughs> we finished that turkey, I think, on that, that turkey day. But I could be mistaken. It was a big one. And we're only two. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was delicious. There you go. And yeah. like I said, it, you know, it's like my turkey has become a hit with many, many people that I keep getting it off to. Oh. Yeah, but it's not real turkey, though. It's a, uh, it's like a synthetic turkey, or what is oh, no, it? Oh, oh no, I, I actually cooked a turkey for other people. Oh, oh wow. So, yeah, I ate my tofurkey. Oh, that's that's a, such a weird name, tofurkey. It doesn't sound appetizing. It doesn't sound appetizing at all. No, no, no. No, so it's like I highly recommend for anybody who is a vegetarian try the tofurkey. It's awesome. Okay. Well, of, of course, we like participation, and there's many ways you can participate. One way you can participate is you can go to our website, IndieRadio.org. Another way you can is you can call in. We, we like when people call in as well, and um, that number is 323-522-4601. Once again, that's 323-522-4601. And another way you participate is I'm on my 48th day now. Someone just told me that. I didn't realize that it actually told you that. Of uh, using this website called Blab, which it allows us to use video as well as audio. So you can participate that way as well. Uh oh, we got the train again is back. Yep. So. So, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about your back? Uh, okay. Uh, well, um, I'm uh, sort of like, uh, uh, wow, uh, I'm a generalist, I think, in, in uh, art, uh, 3D. I've done uh, modeling, animation, uh, rigging, texturing, game asset design, game asset production, game design, game level design, uh, robotics. I've done engineering, uh 
I've done a lot, <laughs> a lot of stuff. Very cool. Um, Very cool. Um, pretty much self self taught on just about every software I ever used. Um, especially uh, 3D Max Maya. Uh, I did uh, a bit of Lightwave at the same time. Um, uh, inventor. Uh, that one I had to learn in two weeks for a, a three and a half million dollar project. Talk about pressure. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and uh, it was like um, I had been working on this model in 3ds Max for four months as a concept and we needed to have it uh, molded, bow molded. And uh, the only way I could actually make this particular model uh, being able to make into a mold mm -hmm. is to make an STL file and the only one I could actually work was uh, uh -huh. in Inventor. So I had to learn Inventor and recreate wow. four months of work in less than two weeks. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so uh, you have been uh, watching as technology has been growing in the 2D to 3D conversions as well as also physically doing it. Um, so I've, uh, I'm a little bit familiar with 3D Studio Max being from back in the heyday. How do you think that it's really advanced in terms of falling in line with, uh, with practicality for applications in today's film world? Well, um 3ds Max has been there for like I don't know how many ages, but uh, Maya is principally used for film industry. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people, a lot of studios, uh, do not like Max for some reason. Um, I guess it's uh, I I can only sus suspect that it's kind of like uh, you know Maya is for movies while Max is for gaming. Uh, that like, that sort of thing, but well, uh, yeah, it's a, you know it's personally I find both have uh, their good points, bad points. Um, me personally, uh -huh. I I use Blender, uh, open yeah. source software, free, uh, very capable. Uh, it does pretty much everything that Maya or Max do, and. Uh, it's just getting better and better um, at an amazing, an amazing rate. Um, not to, not so long ago they were at the 2.5 version. Now they're rolling out 2.7, uh, 0.6, and uh, they're they're already talking about 2.8 in uh, wow. maybe, maybe early next year. And it just keeps getting better and better all the time and it's so once you get into it it's so easy uh, I've tried uh, several times to uh, compare Maya um, and, and Blender and to be honest I like Blender so much more than Maya because I don't know it just it just clicks with me I, it, Maya is very territorial oh yeah <laughs> and uh, lots of hidden menus um, lots of uh, an awful lot of high-end stuff right up front, up in your face, while Blender just gives you the basics, and then you you build from there. And uh, for me, it's it's 
a little bit more logical that way, as far as UI is concerned. But uh, again, it's it's a personal preference. Uh, they do pretty much everything else. So I, I remember so I remember a couple of years ago there was a movie I think it was called Sintel, uh yeah. that was produced with Blender, and I remember it looked very cool. It looked like it looked Pixar esque. Yeah. Uh, that film, and um, that was about two, three years ago, was it? Yeah. So, yeah. how yeah. far has it advanced since that movie Centel came out? And I'll uh, well, I'll put it in the chat room. The, the last one that came out was co- was called um, uh, uh, Tears of Steel, and it's a li- it was a live action movie uh, mixed in with uh, lots of CG elements. And it's just amazing. I highly recommend you watching it because it is mind-blowing because there's all sorts of uh, really cool uh, CG integration uh, with live action. And it's really, really good. uh, See, that's kind of exciting and interesting. Mm -hmm. One of the things I wanted to know is now that the virtual world is coming into it, and also we're getting into virtual reality, how's that going to change the software and well, change what you're doing? Right now, um, we are using our own proprietary software uh, game engine, and we are uh, like up to here. Uh, we use uh, we use Max, Maya, and Blender. Uh, and uh, it works seamlessly. Uh, creating worlds for VR, augmented reality, and uh, virtual reality uh, stems, you know, pretty much from the gaming world. I mean, uh, you know, every game is a world in itself. Um, so uh, it's 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 um, it's an extension. those two are linked uh, very very tightly and uh, so far the only difference between a VR world and a game world is the way it, it is presented uh, if you use an Oculus Rift goggle set uh, then you're immersed into that world whether it's a game world or a VR and at this point game and VR become one very true and it with this cross-platforming world that we are going through, it's like a, it's becoming more and more technology. Yes. Oh yes. Um, the, the VR itself is extremely demanding as far as hardware is concerned. Um, if you're going to be uh, streaming VR worlds over the internet, you better have a heck of a pipeline, and uh, you know optimization. Um, you know, you have to sacrifice some uh, aspects of it, but then again, talented enough and uh, lucky enough to have the hardware for it, uh, you can do uh, 
exposed to uh, you know real world environments uh, very easy actually. So here, here's a question of uh, of this that I'd want to know. It's like you and I have both been in the mission of a world. Both Kinte has been in the mission of a world. How close do you think that machinima is to coming towards the? Um, I'm uh, like when I saw Sintel. Uh, you could say it is machinima esque. Uh, because it wasn't created by this big humongous studio. Uh, I've seen some uh, assets from the game world being ported to Machinima. Um, I don't know if you remember a series on the web called Red vs. Blue. Yes. That, that was hilarious, awesome, every single time. Did take itself very seriously, but at the same time, the last few episodes were done in Halo, um, the latest version of Halo. And it was so well done. And I'm, I was thinking at the time, you know, uh, change the lighting a little bit, and you could have yourself a full-fledged cinematic experience. Uh, it wasn't that far off. It wasn't that far off. So... Uh, with today's uh, graphic engines, uh, like uh, the Unreal Engine, the Cry Engine, uh, it's not that far from, you know, having this cinematic feel. Um, and one could argue that uh, the cinema feel is uh, a question of perception, uh, conventions that may be overwritten, like overnight. Uh, Pixar has been doing it. Um, you know, every animation studio has been doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there's been um, a very cinematic looking uh, 2D animation. And uh, I, at this point, I'm thinking, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's all getting merged into one gigantic soup uh, full of... Uh, you know, ideas, images, and worlds that just need to be conquered and appreciated for what they are, uh, whether it's on the big screen or the small one or even in VR. Um, the, the whole mix of all these, uh, these facets of the art form uh, is just bound to get, you know, uh, out there. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, you know, uh, a gaming engine like uh, I'm thinking right, right off the bat. I'm thinking GTA 4, 5. Uh, if you look at uh, if you look at the, the latest uh, commercials, uh, they actually <laughs> promote sort of Star Wars. You know that little I don't know sci-fi thing that's coming. I don't know where the hell that's from. Whoever heard of that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, and you look at it, and from uh, an art perspective, it's really stylized. But you look at the uh, the models, and they've been motion captured. So in essence, uh, it is, in a way, true to life motion. So technically, you have actors, and uh, you had the whole uh, mise en scène, and uh, it, it and 
you know, uh, you take that idea, that world, that kind of look, you can make a movie out of it very easily. And uh, will people go and see it? Sure. You know, if the story's right, then, you know, let us never forget that the story is number one. Uh, a, a really good story with not so good graphics will always capture the imagination of uh, the audience. But on the other hand, a really sappy, crappy, you know, story, well, you could throw in a hundred thousand, billion, zillion dollars of effects and uh, artistry in it, and it still will suck. <laughs> so <laughs> Now, now let, let me, uh, let me um, kind of go into your background a little bit. Um, for those who are listening, they probably detected a uh, little accent of <laughs> from you. Uh, where are you from originally? I'm actually from uh, originally from the northern, the great northern part of Quebec. Mm -hmm. I am a Francais, bien sûr. <laughs> I uh, speak both languages, pas mal bien, je dois dire, surtout le Québécois. Enfin, et puis le Français, bien sûr. Uh, English. Yeah, it's like not uh, not so much anymore. Uh, I've lost my a lot of my French over the years. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell the audience something because uh, this is a, an audience who may not know. Um, uh, I guess I've known you since what about five years? Yeah, five years. Something about five years, and. Mm -hmm. um, Mike was so nice before he really knew who I was. He would um, come on Skype with me and he was teaching me how to 3D model um, out the kindness of his heart. And uh, what was so funny is um, his wife, uh, who I don't know if people saw her in the background, Kathy's a wonderful human being. Um, sometimes uh, they would, uh, you know, as couples would do, argue, nothing like hardcore or anything, and they would start arguing in French. And it would just crack me up. It was, <laughs> I would sit there and listen to you guys, you know, kind of going at it in French. And then she would, she's like a, a pastry chef, right? Yes, yeah, four-star pastry chef. Four-star pastry. I don't know how Mike is in like 900 pounds because <laughs> that woman. It's an ongoing battle, let me tell you. Oh, man, she would, she would be like, hey, sweetie, can you try this chocolate truffle? whatever that I just, you know, whipped up or something like that. I'm like, I was so jealous. I was like, I, I want some of that. <laughs> Forget this 3D modeling. <laughs> you know, I want, uh, you know, I want some of what she was making. She's always cooking up something wonderful. And uh, she, she's, an, she's an amazing person. Um, so when I when I met you, you were a 3D modeler. And one thing you, I mean, you, you obviously you are. Um, now, one thing you told me was that uh, you did graffiti art back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was a, um, an airbrush artist for many, many years. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I did uh, cars, trucks, boats, um, uh, t-shirts, um, leather jackets, and uh, a couple of bikes. I mean, really, really sweet bikes. And um, I did murals. Uh, the biggest one I've ever done was 75 feet wide, 15 feet high on the second floor of a bar. Wow. And it took me two and a half weeks, and it was the most uh, 
excruciatingly terrifying experience <laughs> because at the time I was afraid of heights. And I, I was still on am. The, I was on this little rickety scaffolding. Every time I breathe, I would sort of like you know, start swaying <laughs> and my heart would just stop and I was saying, okay, this is it, I'm gonna fall. But uh, no, actually, uh, by the time I finished that one, I was kind of like uh, a monkey. I, I could actually uh, go up that thing and just drop. I, I, I believe I actually jumped off of it uh, once, just to make sure I could. <laughs> I, wouldn't do, I, I wouldn't do that again <laughs> it was a rough landing <laughs> yeah but uh yeah and um i can uh, well imagine yeah i did um uh i did a lot of uh airbrushing and uh paint regular paint i did makeup also special effects makeup uh halloween uh, makeup i did uh airbrushing on pumpkins which is always a treat not this year, mind you, but eh, maybe next year. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I've, al I've always loved to draw. I, uh, I, I was, um, believe it or not, I was drawing in 3D, three-quarter view perspective from the age of five. Oh, wow. And actually, because I didn't know any better, um, my art teacher asked me, why do you draw like that? And I said, well, you know, every book I read and every illustration that I used to see, uh, and those were mostly uh, technical drawings, like uh, a cutout of a car or a plane, uh, mostly planes. I was really into planes at that time. And I said, this is how they're drawn. So why would I not draw like that? And uh, finally, uh, I got an award for this, so that was pretty cool. Now, oh, now, um, uh, no, I, I had a quick, a quick uh, thing. Is uh, one thing about Mike is that uh, in the three D modeling community, there's a lot of talented modders, right? But I don't. A lot of them are not as creative. So when you blend uh, creativity with the skills as well, you 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 always get something really awesome. And if one thing you'll see is people who can make 3D models, they don't have the creativity. So only thing they can make is a Millennium Falcon or the Doctor Who telephone booth thingy. Uh, <laughs> someone's gonna hit beat me up. I, I forgot what it's called. A, a tortoise. Tardis. Tardis. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, don't beat me up, nerds. Uh, but uh, but Mike would always come up with like these amazing, you know, creative, um, you know, designs and models, and then. He'll do a Millennium Falcon or an ad at or you know or something like that as well. But so yeah. so that that was uh, the one of the big differences between you and others is that you you blended creativity and you make stuff out of your own head, which uh, is a lot of people in the game, you know, wasn't able to do. So that was yeah. one of the cool things. Yeah, well, most of the mods uh, for the movies um, now. Uh, are, are hardly uh, custom made. They're, uh, they're ports from other games, and uh, there, there's no, there's no um, uh, real. Well, 
I can't say it's not creative because uh, on the technical side, it's extremely difficult right. to adapt one model from a game to another. That takes skills, and it's also uh, someone like Beowulf uh, does it so well, uh, and, and he, he comes up with his own ideas. And unfortunately, he's an Ethan. He's on a Mac. <laughs> so yeah, can't be perfect. But <laughs> yeah, you're not a Mac guy. You're one of those. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, um, no. Just couldn't. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I, um, I said no to Macs the day that I found out that if you wanted to upgrade your software, you had to upgrade the hardware as well. And that to me was like, what? Are you crazy? I'm gonna spend and and Max in those days they'll they'll age me quite a bit. Uh, they were between fifteen twenty thousand. Uh, they, they, it's the early days, and only paid uh, professionals could afford a Mac at that point. It was hardly hardly uh, a PC, uh, a home PC. So um, you know. When I first started to build my own computers, uh, I was so grateful that, you know, through a lot of hardware, memory was so expensive at the time. Uh, but you could have it, you know, upgraded constantly, and it would work uh, somehow. And it was never an option. Uh, now, Windows was for me, and besides, uh, most of the software, I would use were on the PC so yeah that made the transition a little bit better but uh, um, uh, <laughs> yeah and lately you know all the the fanboys all that uh, Mac always oh, uh, God's uh, you know saint <laughs> Saint Job is looking over us, and I'm going. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, uh, no. Steve was a good guy, a very good guy, uh, but unfortunately, his view of the world was like, mm, no, not so. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's funny. Now, yeah. Now, this is a very cool story. Uh, well, I mean, it's an interesting story. Now, you work for a company called a. Uh, uh, 3D cubes, right? Three cubes. Two. Three cubes. I'm sorry. Three cubes. And yeah. the one of the cool stories about uh, three cubes is you guys didn't start out in 3D per se. You guys started out in video gaming, and yeah. somehow morphed. It's like a it's a interesting story, and it ties into 9/11. So uh, can you share that with the audience, please? Well, uh, originally. We were, uh, like you said, uh, trying to break into the uh, arcade game industry. Uh, we had been very active in developing our own technology. The way we would work would be to uh, come up with solutions that the, um, the arcade industry had for a long time. Uh, one of them was uh, the, uh, the simulation uh, aspect of it. And at that time, if you had any kind of arcade game that had a simulator or a simulation feel to it, like a motion base, uh, you had those uh, fighter games, you know, they could rock you back and forth like that. 
Now, the big problem with that was that they were either pneumatic or hydraulic, and they were fraught with technical problems, they didn't work well. People didn't really appreciate them that much, and uh, being in the arcade, it was kind of like, yes, you know, wh why should I, why should I spend like twice the twice the dollars for an experience I don't really enjoy? Uh, but we saw something in that. It was kind of an opportunity because being at the time way up north, we were thinking, you know, this is winter and snowmobiles aren't that very big in the arcade. And we're thinking, you know, there's cars, there's plane races, there's sci-fi themed stuff like that. So why not have a, a, a you know, a, a snowmobile game? So we used all our resources and technology and know-how to come up with the best uh -huh. uh, snowmobile simulator at the time. And it was no mean feat, it was electric. At the time, electric actuators were really expensive, hard to maintain, but also unpredictable because they were mainly used in manufacturing. So when you, you ask someone or a company that says, well, you know, we like to be able to, I don't know, um, go 12 inches high in less than two seconds, and then come back again just as fast while, you know, supporting, I don't know, uh, maximum 200 pound passenger on uh, a regular snowmobile. Everybody was started looking at us really strange, but eventually we found a company that would actually take a, you know, uh, they started liking us and we developed this uh, prototype and we were on our way to Boston to have it premiered and tested. And then the two towers fell. And I remember my heart just sank. And I was thinking, okay, well, There goes the company. And sure enough, there it was. And uh, it was um, the worst, uh, the worst day in yes. our lives. Uh, wow. You know, there were a lot of good people down there. And we just. We just couldn't get in. They blocked everything, so. So we turned back and uh, tried to, you know, work our way back. And uh, we did. Uh, it taught us a lot about, uh, you know, plan B most of the time. And, uh, you know, never take anything for granted because uh, one day it could be taken away from you mm -hmm. real quick that's true yeah. and uh, from there well we said well okay uh, we stayed around 
the arcade world for a few months, but at that point, it was clear that the world changed forever. Um, arcade games were, you know, any, any public place uh, was kind of like just and uh, funny thing is, at the time the consoles came in, and then people just, you know, ran away from arcades. So we had to come up with Plan B again. And now they're becoming very fashionable, very popular back again. There's a resurgence of a lot of arcades coming back up again. Yeah, um, it's 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 funny because um, there's an awful lot of uh, VR experiences that are actually being developed as cooperative experiences uh, with augmented reality. And uh, this is also something we're actually looking into and working for um, on top of the 2D to 3D uh, movie conversion. Uh, all those uh, years of working with uh, graphics uh, real-time processes that uh, has made us uh, quite resilient, but also very, very fortunate to be able to talk to the, the good people, the people that make things happen. And being there in a way that, you know, we know what we're talking about when we're talking to them, and they know it. And um, from that perspective, it makes us uh, really appealing to producers. Uh, I was actually working um, in a meeting this afternoon with uh, a producer from LA, uh, a very good, uh, a very good guy, and um, he's got uh, this company that has a lot of production coming up, and they saw our demo reel and uh, they loved it. And uh, they, they like the way we operate, they like the way we work. And uh, um, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking it's this year, well, next year will be our breakout uh, year. Um, we're already working on a uh, animated uh, story mm -hmm. as CG. It's, uh, it's funny, <laughs> it's funny. Um, the okay, this is this is like an uh, an exercise in having a big mountain to climb. It starts off with the producer being French, from France, having a very small crew of very very talented uh, designers, animators, and modelers in Montreal, in Quebec, mm -hmm. with well compared to Hollywood standards, a very small budget. And they are on time. They have sold the rights to the, the uh, movie rights to 30 countries, I believe. Oh, wow. And um, they've already completed, I do believe, half of the initial animation in less than one year. And they are releasing it uh, this summer, I believe. And it's going to be in 3D, uh, converted. Even though 
wait a minute. And this is what they've been asked. He said, aren't you filming in CG? No. You know, why are you having it converted? It's already CG. You could have, you know, two cameras in there and pointing and there you go. And they said what we could do with uh, with 3D conversion uh, we can what no what we can save by having it converted to 3D we can put all those savings into a better production and a better experience and everybody started like whoa this is deep <laughs> because <laughs> you know not, not too many people think that way and uh, that was at the American film market, and they sold it to, I believe, uh, 17 distributors. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had. Uh, uh, is it this year's market? Pardon? Or last, there's market or last year's market? This year. This year. Okay, so for this year's market. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just so that the audience know that Three Cubes, what they do is his uh, company. They take films that are two D and turns them into three D films. So, like, uh, like just for example, if they wanted to redo the Goonies and make it a three D film, your company yeah. would then they would they would go to Three Cubes and then you guys would start a process which allows it to be viewed three D. So, could yeah. you could just a movie like The Goonies. I'm just throwing out a movie. Uh, yeah. Could you? Could that one uh, be 3D as well? Oh yeah. Um, the first requisite is that you have to have a really uh, pristine copy of the original movie. That's number one. It has to be in extremely good quality. Uh, uh, unfortunately, um, it's. Yeah, some of the better-known movies uh, that we used to enjoy when we were younger, well, I was. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't think the, the negatives or uh, there are very good quality prints that are available still, unfortunately. Uh, but... the very best blu-ray uh, yes. we could make a we could make a blu-ray of it in 3d and it would be perfect maybe not theater quality uh, because those start at 2k and most would be preferable for um, but if you had an uncompressed version in HD uh, 1920 by 1080 um, you could make a decent theater experience out of it um, very cool yeah the digital um, the digital medium is so more is so much more forgiving but it's also extremely flexible and um, the way you make uh, a movie from a digital film is through a process called DCP. By taking raw images and turning them in, into JPEG 2000 files, then you run them through uh, uh, 
well, we use OpenDCP because it's open source and free. Hey, free is always good. Um, we can make actually a movie, a theater quality movie that will fit on a small hard drive. Uh, actually, I've had one um, a DCP for a one and a half hour movie on my USB key. And I could show it to any digital cinema and it will run from that key. It's pretty awesome <laughs> when you think about it. Uh, yeah, I got this theater quality movie in my pocket, and it's not breaking my bag because it's not on ten volts, so, you know, thirty-five millimeter film. And uh, yeah, that's pretty awesome when you think about it. So you could, um, you know, because a lot of people are making films with their um, smartphones and uh, yeah. with DSLRs and such. Um, is are those movies? Uh, could they be made into three D as well? Yeah. So if you made yeah. the, if you made uh, if somebody made a little uh, sex tape with their uh, <laughs> their significant other, they can turn that into three D. Well, that would be an interesting experience. <laughs> um, well, yeah. No, I mean, no matter what the subject. Three D. I know three D sex. Um, of course, uh, oh boy, I'm going to get in trouble with that. Um, of course, um, there are certain rules that uh, budding filmmakers should actually learn before they start doing this kind of production. Uh, camera shake in a 3D movie is bad. Ex uh, extreme close-ups, bad. There you have that. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's also uh, there's uh, a whole bunch of stuff that uh, new filmmakers who want to really make good 3D, they have to learn. <laughs> because uh, uh, they, they, uh, the regular way of doing cinematic things in 2D sometimes just doesn't work. So You know, you know I don't like when they do the... They do the, you know, that kind of, <laughs> it's not <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> no, 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 that stuff went out with the 60s or 70s, and I hope to God it never comes back. Uh, but luckily, uh, things have changed, and a lot of uh, new and seasoned producers and directors have learned from uh, the experience of others, thank God. And uh, they don't do that anymore. Uh, they use the 3D to enhance the immersion, the experience, um, and that's the way it should be, really. It's not a gimmick anymore. It's, it has to be thought of as a storytelling tool. And um, uh, contrary to most, what most people might think, action movies are not that good for 3D, uh, but slow-moving, very uh, intense drama, now that is for 3D. It's also a lot harder to do because you have to maintain this sense of uh, um, uh, suspension of disbelief. You know, if you're making a sci-fi or that sort of thing, you have to make it a lot longer, a lot cleaner, and uh, when people have time to look at your image 
and uh, see all the little details. Uh, if there are any flaws in it, they will find it. So it's a mix. It's a mixed blessing. Um, it's a good thing when you have something, a good story being told in 3D, but uh, it, it can drive you crazy and, you know. Now, I, now, now, before we ask the question from our chat room, um, I noticed one thing. So, a lot of these movies that are billed as 3D, I think it's a lot of it is just to get your money. Because I noticed these movies will start out, the, the opening credit sequence will be awesome. And then mm -hmm. most of the movie, you could take your glasses off. And it's like a very small percentage of the movie is really in 3D. Um, yeah. it, it just seemed like back today when they did the 3D thing, it seemed like the whole movie was in 3D. Or maybe I was wrong. What, what is that about, The not most of the movie not even being in 3D? Well, uh, there's an awful lot of constraint in 3D. Um, if you have something that's out of focus, no matter how much you want to try to make it in 3D, give it, you know, volume, it just won't show. It won't work. Anything that's out of focus just doesn't work. Uh, if you have a shallow depth of field, uh, anything past a certain amount of blur will just be crushed. Uh, simply because uh, your eye do not have any visible volume to hang on to. So even if you push it, you're just going to make, you're just going to create eye strain, which is a very big concern. There's also, uh, for some people, um, you have to understand that for a cinematic experience, for let's say a family film, they have to take into consideration that the, uh, the disparity between the two eyes have to be uh, sort of standardized in, so, in some way. So uh, people that have a lot of disparity between their eyes, they will not yeah. see it as much as people who have very little. And if it's a family picture, they will actually try to make it more comfortable for the kids. And we found out um, that was extremely important because the, one of the very first movies that we con converted was actually a cartoon uh, for kids. And at the time we thought there's a, there's a reason why uh, some kids just don't want to go see movies in 3D. And then we realized that the standard for adults was just too far for most kids. And kids, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to contradict their parents. They, they just will say, you know, uh, mommy, daddy, I just don't want to see that in 3D. I don't feel good. And they don't want to, you know, they don't want to upset their parents. And uh, a lot of people just don't get it. They don't know why. And the kids don't know why either because they look at this and it should be pleasant. It should be fun. But for some reason, after a little of exposure to it, they start getting headaches. Uh, whether or not they know it's a headache, they just don't feel good. And yeah. at that point, you lost them because I know in our development days, uh, we pushed it to the extreme. And believe me, one slip and your stomach and your head will be out for hours. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's extremely... Uh, now I'm I'm, I'm going to ask you a, a question after this, but uh, I want to um, give a big shout out to Neon. Uh, that's uh, 
uh, Tower of Zeal Online. What's up? My original co-host for the Spotlight and good friend. Uh, his question is, do you think 3D is a gimmick today for movies and theaters? I, it used to be, but I don't think so. Um, a lot of the stories are being told through uh, the 3D more so than ever and I think it's a it's a, a trend that will continue uh, especially now that we're going into the uh, the world of VR a lot of people are being considering you know now we're taking the movie experience the 3D movie experience and putting it back in the home and that kind of knowledge is critical and uh, you can't go out there and do anything you want. Uh, you know, v 3D is extremely finicky. Um, we, you know, we perceive the world in 3D because our brain is used to it. But any kind of experience with electronics is a simulation. Let's not forget that. So you have to take the biology into consideration. And if you don't do it well, uh, your brain and your eyes will not sink and then you'll feel bad uh, very quickly or not depending on your tolerance and I think pretty much everybody is different um, and uh, I know from personal experience that uh, 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 you know you can really get sick <laughs> by watching bad 3D oh, yeah. and especially if it's your production and you're working on it and you just hit that switch wrong or that little knob and you just go clunk and you hit the keyboard sideways when you shouldn't and all of a sudden you look at it and say, oh my God, my head are bleeding, my ears are bleeding. What, and, uh, what was the name of that, uh, that movie that was the fake Godzilla? The, uh, the one that it was all shaky. Um, what was that movie oh. called? Uh, it was like the, that that monster movie that came out. Please, someone help me! I thank God uh, that wasn't in 3D because people. Be, no, you know it was like a fake Godzilla. It was like this uh, uh, Cloverfield. Okay. If that was in 3D, man, people would have been suing because that movie alone, I, I, without the 3D, made people sick. I think it sick. was in 3D. Was uh, it? it? Was I? I I I uh, I read a review of it. It was in 3D. And get this, it was in IMAX. Cloverfield was? Oh, man, I feel bad yeah, for those people. Yeah. And at that time, I, I looked at it in 2D, and I was going, the poor souls who were unfortunate enough to go and see this on an IMAX screen, and I'm thinking, oh, lordy lord, these people are sadists. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad enough in 2D. And they subjected these poor people to an IMAX. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, mm. this must have been murder. I, I can watch it. By the way, Mike, there are two questions, though, also from Leon as well. He's asking, what would the minimum uh, specifications be for 3D graphics? And what should we be looking for in, like, RAMs, uh, etc.? Uh, max out. <laughs> um, yes. Taro um, and Taro. Rose and Taro, yeah. still not oh, yeah. enough. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, the best one 
ones, I believe, are the NVIDIA cards, uh, simply because their drivers are extremely tolerant, but they're also they're, they're very well tuned to PCs and, uh, you know, gaming platforms in general. Uh, video RAM, um, if you want really high-end, you can go as high as 8 gigabytes, 16 if you can afford it. Um, the prices are dropping like crazy, uh, I believe, you know, yep. uh, next year they'll be even better. Uh, my best advice is to look at what came out uh, as high-end cards like maybe a year ago or two. And they probably, if they're still available, they're probably the best, you know, deal that you can get on a budget. And uh, those will pretty much be very, very good. Um, of course, uh, GPU uh, is is good, but you should also have a, a quad-core CPU and lots and lots and lots of RAM. Uh, we use a minimum of 16 gigabytes. Uh, most of our machines have 64. Uh, that's just because um, we have to process terabytes of data uh, you know, simultaneously on 35 machines. And uh, um, if you have, um, uh, the motherboard also is good, uh, a good uh, thing to look at. Uh, mm -hmm. Some cards and some uh, CPU combinations work better uh, when they're all on the, on the good motherboard, the one that's tuned just for right. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure if DDR, what DDR3 for RAM is. Um, it, cooling, cooling is an important factor. Uh, other machines are always overheating, stressed out. Uh, not only will it start to really get much trouble, but it won't last that long. So you know, think of it as a high-end. Uh, Maserati or Porsche or whatever, <laughs> and treat it, you know, with respect. Uh, if you have uh, pets around the house, keep them away. If you're a smoker, stop. <laughs> either way, either way, stop. But I'm thinking, you know, your computer will thank you if it could, <laughs> because there's nothing worse than uh, cigarette smoke. Around a computer. Really? Uh, that, oh, yeah. Secondhand um, smoke kills computers, too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know that. Uh, especially if there's, you know, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've opened up one of my uncle's, uh, niece's, uh, nephew's computer, and they were th telling me they were not smoking, but I can tell you right there. That computer told me everything I needed to know about their smoking habit. Wow, I didn't, I didn't know that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, think of it. Uh, there's fans running constantly. They're sucking in air all around it to cool it off. And uh, those components get hot. So if there's any dust, any uh, smoke, it will actually catch on to every fan, uh, every uh, heat sink. And it'll catch there. And uh, tobacco smoke is even worse because it's got tar in it. Oh. And, and Lord knows what. And that thing will gunk up. It'll go into the fan motor. 
at some point it will start to gum up and slowly but surely the revolution of the fan will not keep up and eventually it'll stop and if you have a, a silent system you won't even know what's happening you, the, the, oddly enough you can do cocaine around it it's okay right <laughs> I wouldn't try that I wouldn't I, I, I want to real quick though, uh, be- before she leaves the chat room, I want to take a moment to wish Carlette uh, of Let's Chat a happy birthday. Today is her birthday, and she was so kind to join us tonight. So happy she, birthday, Carlette! So e- everybody, give happy Carlette uh, a happy birthday well wish, and uh, she is finally legal. So she's happy about that as well. So legal and available. <laughs> Single ready to mingle. <laughs> Cheers. There you go. So, to you. So, yeah. happy birthday. She's a wonderful person. Yes. Also, very true. And Mike, we also have one more other question from Leon who says, like, do you have any experience with 3D mapping with drones and what software uh, could be used with that? Actually, it's funny because uh, I, uh, I think it was, uh, no, two years ago. There's this company, um, they do uh, geological, ah, what did she put in that coffee? Uh, <laughs> uh, they did um, geological surveys and also urban mapping of some of the buildings uh, around Montreal. And because we had uh, a lot of experience in 3D imaging, they asked us, you know, can you help us get uh, a better understanding of what we're actually scanning with the drones and um, there was a lot of uh, work done to try and put a 3D camera rig on a drone that was two years ago uh, they had this monster uh, it was unfortunately very unstable to begin with and the uh, the mount, the camera mount was barely keeping up with the camera that they were using at the time. Uh, with the GoPros uh, today, we uh, made, uh, we constructed a 3D rig and it's fully customizable. Uh, it's, uh, it's adjustable in flight. And um, we were able to build this camera and at the time, the, the, it was still, you know, a little bit too heavy. And uh, it, their version of the drone was not stable enough. Now, today, that's, that thing's changed. And uh, you could buy a relatively inexpensive drone. And uh, I'm not quite sure if you could actually use the same kind of rig that we had uh, on that one machine but uh, there's a very good chance you could and um, uh, the 3d technology is not there yet um, there are so many restrictions that uh, unfortunately drone flying with 3d uh, um, it's better to do the 3d imaging in post because it's more controllable um, uh, we have, we've had a Experiences where people came up with uh, drone footage, and uh, unfortunately, the, the views were so mismatched that there was 
nothing to be done with both images sets, so we ended up using one eye, the left or the right, and do 3D conversion. And for some reason they said, well, you know, it's not what we're looking for. Okay, they're lost, you know. Uh, but uh, from a very technical and scientifically accurate uh, point of view, you can't use our 3D technology to actually make, you know, uh, a reasonably um, accurate 3D assessment of real, real, real life di distances. Um, now, now um, we have a question coming in, but before we, before we get to that question, I have two questions I want to get to, and then we'll go to uh, Jet's question. Um, I might be crazy, but I remember that, you know, uh, 3D was really big. Like, you know, there was the, the, the Jason movie that was 3D. There was this Jaws movie that was 3D. There was Captain EO that was in 3D. And I remember Nightmare on Elm Street had a part in it that was 3D. And then all of a sudden, it was like 3D just disappeared. And then all of a sudden, Avatar comes back. And it's like, they're acting like this is like this new thing. What do you think was the reason why it went away? Was it just the technology or, or such? And um, and why did it make its reappearance? And then also, too, uh, when you finish that one, speak on 3D with no glasses. Well, um, believe it or not, the 3D movies have been around since the early 50s. 1955, I believe, I might be wrong by a decimal point, but I do remember uh, seeing a chart where 1955 there were either 25,000 or 2,500 3D movies released that year. And they, at the time, had the uh, red and blue glasses. Uh, it was the peak of that era. And it fluctuated back and forth for about 10 years until people just didn't want to see it anymore. Uh, the red and blue hadn't, you know, it wasn't good enough anymore. Um, but then uh, a resurgence in, uh, you know, uh, theaters were getting the, the bad end because of TV, Blu-ray, uh, not Blu-ray as much as DVDs. Um, it was a battle, so they had to come up with this gimmick, which was 3D. It was still, I believe, the blue and red, you know, uh, throwback <laughs> to the early days. Right. And uh, that caught on, sort of, but it was a gimmick, and it, it turned into a fad. And, of course, a lot of bad movies came out. Uh, Jaws 3D. <laughs> oh, no. That was bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> And, uh, uh, let's, all, let's all pretend that that one didn't happen, shall we? <laughs> yeah, yeah let's, let's pretend no one worked on that, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that pretty much sunk it. Uh, but then, uh, new development in digital cinema uh, made it possible to actually get the polarized glasses, which are completely colorless, um, to project a 3D image. It was brand new technology, 
not well understood yet, but James Cameron had doesn't had did did his his homework, and he pushed it to the limit, and he had no problem pushing a lot of millions in it too, <laughs> and it shows because that one is the quintessential reference. Uh, if you think 3D, you don't. If you don't say Avatar right off the bat, uh, you are. Well, Can't you're really old. Yeah, very old. So uh, it's uh, it, it it came back because uh, at the. Uh oh. Is that Frankenstein's? That's that that's my. Uh, it's a home alarm. No, that's my uh, wall clock. Oh, okay. No, it wasn't my time of death. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see any, uh, you know, hooded figure. Yeah. Still, uh, no. But uh, the the uh, you know Avatar came in at a very interesting time because uh, uh, digital cinema had become the norm uh, at the time, and uh, it was relatively inexpensive now to show movies. Uh, you didn't have all these issues with multi reels. And uh, pretty much the question of distribution became very, very interesting because now you could not only uh, send just a small hard drive to any cinema, you could make copies, you know, on the fly. Uh, you could, some, some theaters could actually stream it directly from the studio. And that became an entirely new business model. Prices were dropping qualities was going up the possibilities of digital cinema were like wow skyrocketing and um, James Cameron happened to have this idea way before it started and all of a sudden he single-handedly created this new craze with an incredibly well-crafted movie uh, a lot of people said oh yeah it's uh, uh, Pocahontas with blue skin, <laughs> but at the time, it, you know, people didn't oh, care. Wolf's face. Fern Gully. Yeah, yeah, and at the time, people didn't care. It was mind blowing, never seen before, and it was so well made. Uh, you know, he pretty much hit every note correctly for the 3D, and this is where people suddenly woke up. He said, "Wow, if he can do it, I can do it," and off. Club people decided, whoa, hey, we could get on this bandwagon. Don't know squat about 3D, but hey, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna find someone who can, and boom, there you go. You know, but like everything else, uh, well, Clash of the Titans came along. Oh boy, and that nearly killed it. But uh, people kept driving at it, and uh, we came along, and then we saved the world. <laughs> oh yeah, Clash uh, of the yeah. Titans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we also have two questions that have uh, been asked in there, as well as like, what's going on with the takeover? Uh, it's like, when are they going to do a takeover with the Machinima universe with a hybrid of like a Machinima movie maker type thing? Is I, that, uh, uh, do you think that that's on the horizon? I think so. Uh, simply because the power of computers now is in the home is so much more than uh, what is presently available 
to studios, believe it or not. Um, and uh, simply because uh, render farms and uh, processing stations are really big expensive investments. You know, if you're going to have a, a, a room full of machines, you can't upgrade them like every year. So you maximize your investment as much as you can, which means that you know you're sort of run late in the game to upgrade. When you do upgrade, uh, it you know it becomes feasible, but you still have a lot of investment. So I'm thinking uh, this is what this is the way I see it. I might be wrong, but this is the way I see it. Uh, and I'm speaking from the collaboration of the blender. To believe it or not, when they do their mm -hmm. movies, they simply have a lot of very talented animators, graphic artists everywhere in the world. They have the story to tell. It's a good story. They work it out long distance. They do their part. They send over to the internet or in the cloud. Uh, the Blender cloud exists, by the way, and they still have their new production uh, on it. And, uh, and then you have this collaboration effort. You have uh, all those people working from their workstation, which are super fast computers, for, by, you know, for today's standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and then you have this wonderful story that comes up, and uh, lo and behold, it didn't cost millions of dollars. It didn't cost. Uh, it didn't take. Three Three, four hundred people, eighteen to nineteen to th months to three, four, five years, um, and the quality is there. It's not, you know, an hour and a half long. It doesn't have the sponsorship of, of the big studios, but you know, given the right push, it could. So, I'm thinking uh, in a couple of years, if it's not already happening. As much, you know, as much as I can tell, uh, you're going to have individuals working from home, working on bits and pieces of this mega project, and it'll come up. Uh, it'll get turned over to a post-production house. We'll do the final. We'll do the color grade. Uh, a studio will lay out the soundtrack and mix it all up. And lo and behold, you'll have a complete collaborative. Uh, machinima product because you could do this with any kind of rendering engine. Uh, I've seen stuff done with the Unreal Engine that is this close to photorealistic. Doesn't take that much to get there. So I'm thinking in a couple of years, and Unreal is free now. Think about it, people. You know, you get two, three thousand people with the Unreal Engine, and you give them all the assets, and all they have to do is animate, create their stuff, lay it out in the web. Ooh, there you go. You know, you just need, you just need, you just need the right this, project with lots of good, talented directors. This generation, this generation is so fortunate. They have so many opportunities that they can do uh, things that we couldn't have dreamt about. I mean, you can make a movie for next to nothing. Oh, you yeah. know, nowadays. Anybody yeah. can make a, a decent film. I'm not talking about a, a BS film. 
and uh, and be up there on a level with you know the big boys. And you can oh, make yeah. video games now. Um, there's the game called uh, Five Nights at Freddy's that is you know one guy makes it. You know, one yeah. guy does it in his basement, and he, it's like one of the top games. You know, so yeah, yeah it's t- times are interesting. Um, now, uh, Neon wants to know what are your views on Nintendo 3DS, and what are your feelings on uh, Source Filmmaker? Hmm. I'm not sure about the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of limited, um, but it's a good platform. I've seen, uh, I've actually, I've seen augmented reality with a 3DS. This is really fun. It's really cool. Uh, the people who uh, do uh, augmented reality for the 3DS are really talented. They're wicked. Um, I'm a source filmmaker. I'm not quite sh- not versed into that one. Um, um, I I don't know. Um, now, 3DS is an attempt on something that I was asking about a little bit earlier, which is um, a lot, um, 3D with no glasses. And yeah. I remember you were talking about that, and it kind of blew my mind because I'm thinking, how are you going to have a 3D film with no glasses? Like, how does that even work? And and you said it, it it's pretty cool the technology. Yeah, yeah, but the the problem with that technology, unfortunately, uh, is the resolution of the image that you have to process to have a good high resolution image. People are used to. 2K, 4K, and if you have, if you're going to have uh, a 3D glasses-free uh, experience, um, you need a lot more pixels than 4K. Uh, actually, a lot more, somewhere in the range of 16K, to get a good, high-quality image. Uh, because the the basic principle is this. From a video uh, capture standpoint, you have two cameras or a set of really good, very well converted left and right (laughs) image. Um, And then you have to have this software process at least minimum nine intermediate images between those two. Uh, that takes a lot of uh, very, very specialized uh, software tools. And then those nine images have to be stitched and interweaved in such a way that every bit of the lens, and it, they're usually like uh, sideways, uh, wavy kind of thing. Um, and then this is to make sure that your eyes will never see the same image from one end to the other. And so while you're looking, your right eye will be looking at image one, your left eye could be looking at image seven, depending on how far your your eyes are uh, actually focusing on. So that little disparity will actually dictate your, will tell your, your, uh, your brain that this is a 3D image. It's like having a stereo pair, but you have nine nine interweave, and you go from one end to the other without any fluctuation. So it's pretty seamless. 
nine is the minimum and it's a very small minimum the one that would actually make it so much better would be 18 to 25 or 30 interweaved images that way you have a lot more freedom to go like this sideways and never having to what we call the sweet spot where image number one and image number nine actually coexist so close that they sort of get mixed and because they are opposite ends well you have this little kickback uh, kind of loop back uh, look to it it's like uh, someone actually passing a, a, a blind in front of you that's what we call the sweet spot if you're if you're let's say uh, look um, in the theater and you were to look into this big humongous screen and Lord knows it would be humongous <laughs> um, and you were unfortunate enough to be sitting where the sweet spot is well <laughs> you wouldn't like it at all because you'd see this big smear you know it, you would look at it <laughs> and you'd swear that the screen was cracked because there, the, the image would be sort of skewed you know both ways and like really tight so you you wouldn't be able to make ends or tails of it. And you'd either go look like this <laughs> or like that. You know? And uh, people next to you would say, hey, come on, what are you saying? Are you trying to get on me or something? No, I'm trying to, you know, watching the movie. Of course you are. <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, divorce ensues. But that's another story. Yeah. Also, Mike, I was wondering if you could let us know. So now that also graphics are getting better as well as also the 2D, 3D conversion, how is that working in terms of being able to get the product out faster to the uh, theater? Or is it making it so that there has to be an extra step in the process of the coding to be able to do the digital releases? Uh, no, actually, the... Um uh, it, making a standard 2D movie and making a 3D release for theaters mm -hmm. is uh, a checkbox away. Uh, Will it be working with Macs eventually and uh, those other softwares like Cinema Welcome and all of those other ones as well? Well, um, those uh, like Macs, Maya, they produce assets that you film with two cameras. Uh, so either one can be used you know uh, I, I make uh, uh, stand-in 3d props for uh, conversion with blender yeah um, so uh, that that kind of software can be used to produce any kind of uh, filmic material to tell the story and you just you know either you convert or you shoot directly with two cameras um, that in itself is an art because uh, it's funny, uh, a lot of people would say, well, you know, you have two virtual digital cameras, so why not use them? Uh, it's the same reason why James Cameron had to spend so much time tweaking and correcting those two individual views to be able to make sure that you could watch them and not become sick. Uh, think about it. If you have a reflective surface um, mm -hmm. and you're watching, let's say, a mirror or uh, a handrail or anything metallic and you have this reflection in it, 
Now your left eye and your you know your left and your right eye when they look at it they converge and they correct the two very distinct points of view and remember reflection is a is dictated by your point of view mm -hmm. it's very important so they will diverge but your your uh, your, your brain will make hence of it in so, the digital uh, world you have to correct for that because you when you're looking at it with glasses that does not happen you still have two very distinct points of views and your your brain is telling you this is wrong because it cannot make sense of it so what you end up doing is just correcting a little bit here a little bit there to match them as close as you can so that when you look at it through the glasses it will make sense and that's a lot of work um, when you do conversion you already have one point of view so no matter what you do that reflection will be absolutely perfect yeah to both eyes because then it's not the reflection itself that's in 3d it's the surface it is actually reflected on and that makes sense so you know a lot of people are saying well why don't you just film like well in the this this the, the case of the digital uh, movie making the same problem applies it's two different points of view mm -hmm. and, that, and that's why conversion is so much better because you don't have to fiddle around with all those little nitpicking things that makes and it IMAX you know, and cameras and oh yeah 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 and and you can you have complete total control over how much you put in how far you want to go you can go crazy or not it's your discretion and you can do this as many times as you want until someone says okay we've got it in real life if you screw it you're done with it you cannot fix it unless you spend lots of time and lots of hours correcting and lots of, money. And lots of money to correct those little flaws that you didn't catch while you were filming it and a lot of people are saying well you know it's not true 3d excuse me I beg to differ because everyone who saw our demo reel were actually saying are you kidding me you did this there is no effing way that this could be conversion <laughs> we've heard it so many times and we're thinking well okay I could show you the 2d version if you want but it's dated from 1976 and I doubt yeah. you know so uh, it's uh, it's in my mind and I think a lot of producers nowadays, um, they see the benefit. Because uh, on set, you have so many things happening, you don't have time, most of the time, to uh, think about those little nitpicky things where I said, oh, you know, that thing is a little bit too reflective. Can you put a little bit of damp on this or you know, a little powder or you know, that sort of thing? And, oh, yeah, we'll fix it in post. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, it lives on forever in post. Are, are we gonna Are we gonna see a um, a wave of classic movies made into three D, like you know Scarface, Godfather, <laughs> Good to Patio? You know, like is that is oh, that yeah. what's happening next? We did a demo with the uh, Goodfellas. Really, three D version yeah. of Goodfellas? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we. Um... <laughs> 
we, at the time we thought, hey, that could be a piece of cake. The producer thought we were nuts. You know the opening scene in Goodfellas? Mm-hmm. The one where you uh, follow those two people through the restaurant? Right. That was our demo. Really? That's a yeah. great that's a great scene to do that. Yeah. A hell of a scene to do because it's one long take. <laughs> and it's 3D all the way. It doesn't get more 3D than this. And believe me, let me put it to you this way. I made my uh, I have season tickets in hell from this. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Um a lot of people thought this guy's going crazy let's pull him off the project he is going to murder someone <laughs> yeah and uh, i was the first one to say it but uh it was impressive to say the least not perfect unfortunately because we were starting uh it could have been a lot better uh, now i i look at it and i'm thinking what the hell were we thinking doing it that like that <laughs> if I had if I had a chance to redo it all over again I would do it in a microsecond um, today's uh, at, you know in those days pretty much everything was done by hand and it was like a judgment call 24-7 um, nowadays the way we do things uh, for, for one thing it's all our own tools we do not use any of the uh, current studio used tools like Nuke um, uh, and Mystica, uh, we have our own technology. We developed it from the gaming industry, believe it or not, because uh, when we were doing that um, that um, uh, snowmobile game, uh, it was in 3D. Uh, we had glasses oh. and shutters, and everything was timed and synced, and we put a lot of effort into having... Uh, the very first CRT 3D screen in an arcade. Um, and uh, from there, uh, we use our own tools and they've been progressing o over the years. Now that uh, the, it's so very well fine-tuned that uh, with, I can't say little effort, but a lot of force, you know, you have to think about these things like, okay, before you start, how are you going to approach certain scenes and stuff? But it's so much easier uh, than I've seen in other studios. Uh, uh, I recently went to China to uh, see about a co-production with a Chinese uh, conversion company. Um, and uh, they use Nuke. And I was looking at it and... All I could see was this guy, poor guy, he was trying to make sense of the network and the pipeline and just opening a project to turn it into 3D. And I was looking at it and thinking, don't blink. <laughs> because if, if you move something and you blink, you just lose it. Mm. So uh, it's, it is so difficult convoluted complex way of working and I'm thinking my god we do this so much easier and uh, so anyway oh wow yeah and and today um, actually when 
in, in the meeting we had with uh, this producer from L.A., uh, he was talking, you know what would be really a good project would be E.T. or Close Encounter. Of Close Church. Encounters, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. that would be so awesome. I, w- I would love to see Close Encounters. I love that movie. Oh, yeah. That'd yeah. be good, yeah. 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 I would actually, oh, and then re-release it in the theaters as well? Oh, man. That, oh, yeah. yeah. That any and, excuse uh, to see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be awesome. Yeah, I have a hey, you know, I should make my list of movies I want to see in 3D. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What would what would be a, a movie? I'm about to think about that. I know there's a bunch of them. Like Close Encounters, though, would be high on that list. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I can see that in you know I can see it in in 3D. Yeah, the original Jaws. Mm-hmm. That would be scary as hell in 3D. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, you know, you never see a whole lot of the shark. And what you do see makes you jump right there. So just imagine it in 3D. Now, that would be, mm-hmm. yeah, that would be a really good uh, use of 3D at that point. Because, you know, anyone who's seen it in 2D, they know what's coming. And they're going, they would be like, oh, no, I don't want to see this. <laughs> Yeah, when he's throwing the chum, and then it's like, when he pops out, he's like, oh, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> and he would say, oh, hell yeah, you need a bigger boat. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Now, we're, we're, we're trying to get uh, uh, Grayson back in. She's having a... Uh, uh, issue there? Yeah, she's having an issue there. Um, but, um, so, uh, what's next for your company, uh, Three Cubes? Um, mm. You know? Well, we have this uh, movie. Uh, we also have. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not at liberty to say the, the titles yet, mm-hmm. um, but um, the, the one we're working on is an animated CG movie. It's very, very beautiful. It's a really nice story. It's uh, for the family, and it's got humor and action in it, and it's. Um, it's it's set in France, believe it or not, in the uh, beginning of the 19th century, uh, and we get to see the Eiffel Tower being built. Oh, okay. Right. And that in 3D is magnificent. I can imagine. Very well made. Um, and then we have uh, other projects coming in from uh, a couple of Chinese studio. Uh, they're really really into 3D now. Uh, I believe. Um, every three movie made in China, and I think it is by law, it has to be 3D. Really? Oh, that's yeah, interesting. yeah, yeah. There are. Uh, it's China's really uh, interesting place. Um, it used to be this, uh, you know, the communist sewer, you know, and. and Unfortunately, if you look at some of the aerial photographs of Beijing, you'll say, yeah, the sewer is there and so is the smog, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) But uh, they're trying to clean up their act. I hope they do because it's a very, very nice country to visit. Uh, People are warm. They're really friendly. Unfortunately, uh, 
you know, when you get to the business side, it's kind of like, uh, you know, stab in the back and steal while you're not looking. But, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But uh, I, I tend to think that they're trying to change their ways. And I think they don't have much of a choice. I mean, if you're going to go, you know, worldwide, you can't be seen as a, you know, a country where you're going to invest a lot of time and money and then get ripped off at the end. Mm -hmm. That won't work. You know, even though, yeah, it's a big country, it's a big market, lots of people, um, and lots of very good investment opportunities, too. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, <laughs> humans are humans. They're all alike. We're all alike. We're all, you know, we're all right, you know, riding the same ball. And, you know, no matter how you look at it, we're all the same. So... Yeah, eventually they'll get in line with everybody else and then we'll get along, you know. Um, as far as what we're going, uh, we're going to do, be doing some uh, TV uh, pretty soon, I hope. Uh, it would be great if we could do a series. Um, right now it's kind of like a trial and error kind of thing, you know. One day we're going to have, a, you know, couple of episodes the next day maybe one uh, another day maybe five who knows it's it's uh, it's a little bit on the you know trial and error kind of thing I, I can see a show like The Walking Dead being in uh, mm -hmm. 3D mm -hmm. um, Game of Thrones would be a good 3D show oh yeah that would be great uh, Masters yeah. of Sex <laughs> it would be a great show <laughs> to be in 3D. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, but in VR, there's already porn. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, oh, I'm not yeah, surprised. Okay. Uh, Google VR porn. You'll, there's an awful lot of it. Not very good because <laughs> we uh, do our own, uh, we do our, uh, what do you call it, schoolwork, where we, you know, if we're going to say something, we might as well know what we're talking about so right. uh, we've had some research <laughs> and uh, there's a frighteningly lot of it and a lot of it is bad wow. uh, depending on your standards uh, our I guess ours is pretty high because um, well, maybe not that high, but anyway, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, there's an awful lot of uh, very, very badly filmed stuff there. Notwithstanding the subject matter, mind you. Although, if if you see something that's not quite your cup of tea, you might be like going, "Ugh, God, those two minutes! I wish I could take back." <laughs> Although I can. Honestly, say, um, looking at the experience from the other side of the coin, that's pretty interesting. Not in a good way, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. You know, seeing it from the female point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's uh, especially when you're not expecting it. That's kind of like, uh, oh god, that's uh, okay. <laughs> Makes you wonder. <laughs> the, um, so, yeah, um, and then we have uh, maybe a couple of more movies coming in uh, in the middle of the year. Um, 
and uh, you know we have some other production from France who are actually coming in. Uh, one we've done a lot of uh, consulting work on because we do consulting. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, an awful lot of producers and directors come up to us and say, you know, I'm not quite sure about this thing. Will it change my way of doing things? Uh, right off the bat, we say, yeah, <laughs> but not not the way you think. Um, there are some, we, ha we have a, a whole booklet of, you know, do's and don'ts. Easy to implement, not easy to master, though, because uh, some stories uh, in the producer's mind are told into a certain style. And when they find out that style is not quite kosher with 3D, it sort of, you know, puts the old wrench in the gears and, uh, you know, yeah. it makes them doubt a little bit about what can be done, but uh, we can you know, work around a lot of the limitations of the style that's being imposed on us. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, uh, the price point is a big factor, and uh, I'm happy to say we are very competitive, so, you know, as long as people will be making 3D movies, you know, we are flexible and we do really, really good work. And uh, that's, you know, that's that sells it pretty much, what, what we've done uh, over the years. And, uh, you know, things are looking up. So, Mike, I also wanted to know, in terms of what Canada is like, how... Uh, encouraging I would say as well as also how supportive are they in uh, it's like I know that Quebec's industry is very supportive of the film industry in general but how supportive are they in terms of this technology and making sure that it is an internet of international quality I know um, that I mentioned before that it's like Quebec felt very elitist and now they're realizing that it has to be a more global market so how is that working in this department, I, actually, it's it's working very well. Um, it the, unfortunately the Quebec film industry is not as uh, developed and supported by the governments as much as we'd like it to be. Uh, certainly, it's not supported as much as I don't know uh, the American film market, of course. Uh, but even even the French have a big leg up. On, as far as support financially and technologically, um, you know, the entire industry is a lot more uh, robust over there. Um, in Quebec, it's more uh, like um, the local productions don't really make that much money, but uh, the international uh, productions that come to Montreal and Quebec really love it, and they have a lot of support and uh, tax credits and all that, you know, and we we are supported in, in that respect uh, because uh, 3D conversion is considered a special effect and it is covered by the tax credits. So that makes it uh, a lot more interesting to low budget uh, productions who would love to have it, you know, convert into 3D. And uh, there's ser some serious uh, 
interest from, you know, uh, the producers of low-budget films that would like to have this extra step, you know, to make them more competitive in the uh, in the marketplace. So in that respect, we are very, very well uh, known and supported by the government. Besides um, <laughs> the fact that in Montreal, in the official 19, uh, 2015 catalog of uh, available post-production uh, companies, we are the only one listed as 3D conversion. Uh, there used to be uh, um, uh, Mel Studios and uh, I believe uh, another studio, I can't remember right off there, that used to offer the service and uh, they did a couple of productions, uh, <laughs> ironically enough, using uh, uh, industry standard tools and processes. And they just went belly up. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a little bit of a you know, told you so kind of moment there when we, you know, yeah. they, they they approached us and they asked us, you know, uh, how can you be, you know, can can we do a partnership and uh, you know co-production kind of thing? And we said, well, you know, your method methods are not really compatible with ours so thanks but no thanks we did bid on the project and unfortunately we lost because we were not as well known and uh, while they were scrambling to finish the productions well we were kind of like yeah eh, we, we did that did this did that that was successful so we did this and finally, when they went belly up, we said, well, you know, it's not that we didn't tell them, but, yeah. So anyway, uh, iron it's ironic. In, in Quebec, it's, uh, it's a different world. <laughs> yeah. And not because we're French. <laughs> no, 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 no. So yeah. where do you see this taking it to the next level of this? Well, what is the um, next phase? Uh, well, 3D is 3D. Uh, you can't really improve on it. Um, you can only make it more exact, more uh, more comfortable, and hopefully more uh, perceivable by more people who are um, out of the standards uh, as far as eye separation. Uh, some people with glasses, eyes that are uh, weaker than the others, they have a hard time. And um, what we'd like to do is be able to find the right, I don't know if you can say formula, to make it so that a lot more people can actually enjoy this. Because once it's once you see it, you just can't say, ah, nah, I'm going to go back to 2D. Uh, no, when, when you really... You, you get to see that experience the way it was meant to be seen, it's really hard to get back. Uh, and you, you always wonder, you know, will the next one be just as good and more, as enjoyable as, you know, that one was for me and all that? Um, so, yeah. 
All right, so we're at the part of the show we affectionately like to call rapid fire. And the way that rapid fire work is me and Grayson will pepper you with questions. So are you ready, Mike? All right, let the peppering begin. All right. First question I always like to start off with is uh, a couple of years ago in Coach- at Coachella, they had a hologram concert of the rapper Tupac. What dead artist or band would you like to see a hologram concert of? Uh, the Beatles. The Beatles, yes. Yes. So, uh, I was wondering, who are your mentors, and who would be the ultimate person you would work to work with? So, who are your mentors? Pardon? And who are your mentors, and who is the ultimate person you want to work with? Um... Steven Spielberg and uh, probably uh, if I had a, a second choice would probably be um, uh, uh, oh jeez oh uh, besides us of course <laughs> uh, you can include it the um, uh, Kill Bill oh Quentin Tarantino Quentin yeah Quentin uh, that would be my uh, yeah my two people that would love to work with. Okay, it's the zombie apocalypse, and, and you can only have two weapons. One is a firearm, and the other one's a melee weapon. What firearm would you have, and what melee weapon would you have in the zombie apocalypse? Uh, let's see. Uh, melee weapon, uh, weapon, uh, firearm would be. Oh boy, uh, twelve gauge shotgun and uh, the melee weapon, the uh, mm-hmm. like uh, like a machete like a, or a sword. A machete. Um, a machete. Well, yeah. What would you see, real quick? What would you see, Kathy? Uh, what would her two weapons be? You think? Uh, let's see. Hers would probably be a Gatling gun. <laughs> I can that, see that. Yeah, yeah, that would be her. Yeah. Grab them, <laughs> smash them, puree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, great. Go ahead, Grace. Okay, tell me your ultimate sur- survival kit. Mm. My ultimate survival kit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, let's see. Um, hmm. Uh, it would start off with a water purifier, uh, probably solar powered or chemical powered, um, uh, yeah, water purifier, if I could, <laughs> uh, at least dependent on electricity and stuff. Um, Butane or propane tanks with a little burner, uh, probably wooden matches in a sealed container. One, the biggest ass carving knife I could find, a machete and an axe, and uh, and uh, uh, something to uh, well, probably a map 
and a compass. And, uh, uh, and oh, and the herbalist guide to edible vegetables in the wild. Okay. Very cool. All right, I can dig it. Yeah. All right, what, would you, what is your guilty pleasure junk food? Oh, uh, okay. Now we're talking about the guy who is married to a four-star <laughs> pastry chef. All right. So, oh, lots and lots. But, uh, oh, the meanest one is her double chocolate cinnamon flavored truffles. <sighs> Those and of course that's the first thing I say no you can't do that today mm. you know because basically I'm trying to fit in my pants <laughs> still so you know I, I don't want to have to you know every time I bike up here that ding, 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 uh, you know and uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and there's the occasional barbecue chips. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Some real good, nice ones. Uh, you know the the no the no name brands. Mm -hmm. They're they're the best because they're a little bit sweeter, not as salty, uh, and they have this barbecue hickory flavor. Damn, I got the munchies. <laughs> uh, and I'm running out of coffee, too. Uh, oh, God, that's, the force. that's right. All right, Grayson. So, I'm building you the ultimate com computer. What is the one thing it cannot be without? The ultimate computer and what? What? What's the one thing your ultimate computer cannot, ha cannot be, without. be without? Ooh, uh, an extremely fast graphics card. You can't do anything without that because, uh, unless of course you're just like, you know, circuit web, watching the occasional video and, uh, you know, playing online games. But, if you're going to do anything serious, uh, graphic-wise, app-wise, uh, you're going to need that, you know, blazing video card simply because uh, nowadays uh, the GPU has more to do um, instead of the CPU itself. Uh, every graphic has to go through the GPU, so if you want smoother frame rates for games, uh, even video, uh, you really need to have that, you know, extra, uh, lots of RAM, super fast GPU, um, and uh, yeah, uh, especially for me since I'm into graphics and 3D animation, and, uh, you know, uh, that is the must. The second one would be, and I'm hoping one day it'll happen. A terabyte SSD drive. That when that day comes up, I'll be in line waiting for it. I'll be right behind gonna, you. Oh yeah, 
because you can't, you really can't hold up a, a one terabyte hard drive, mechanical hard drive, to an SSD. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah. one terabyte of pure RAM. RAM, RAM. You know, you, you, there's no way you can beat that. I mean, read and write speeds are lightning. And, you know, uh, in any kind of production, heavy production, you need this kind of performance. So, yeah, the, the, uh, the video card first. But if you can swing that SSD in there, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, here's the last question. Now, we always close with this one. This one's very important, and I'm sure your wife is going to pay attention to this one very closely. Now, you're... Are you going to put me in trouble here? <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think so. Now, you're based in Quebec, right? Right. So, you got to help a brother out. A young man is coming to Quebec, and he's going to take a young lady out on a date. And he's coming to Uncle Mike for advice. So, you got to tell this man... What's the perfect date to take a young lady out in Quebec? Hmm. Well, depending on the season. Mm -hmm. We'll say uh, uh, we'll say spring. Spring, okay. The Laurentians, Morin Heights. There's this little auberge called. Uh, oh my God, I can't remember the gray. Something gray, and it's. On the side of a mountain, near a lake, beautiful, quiet, peaceful, and it's not too far from Morn Heights per se, which has a lot of restaurants and theater and uh, lots of sights to see. But in the daytime and even at night, that mountain is ah uh, beautiful. In winter, Quebec City the Ice Castle City. It's basically part of the city that is carved out of ice and snow. Mm. And they have laser lights in there. They have... It's, it's as close to... You know, if you could put... Uh, well, I can't say the North Pole's Santa Christmassy kind of feel to it, but Quebec City in there... At, in, in in the winter time it's beautiful uh, and there's a lot of things to do in there and to take out a date oh yeah um, <laughs> there's there's an awful lot of great great bistros and restaurants and theater and there's a lot of musical events uh, you know depending on your taste there's anything, everything for any, any, any kind of, uh, from having super a lot of fun and laughing your ass off to very romantic and, you know, take it from there. All right. I like it. I like it. And, uh, and, um, Kiva in the chat room, she likes it as well. And I think Grayson likes it as well. You've been to Quebec, yeah, right? True. Right. Uh, yeah, so I, fi I figured as much. Okay. One of the coolest things that you can see there, Saint Anne de Beaupre. Oh yeah. Mm, okay, I got. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear wonderful things about about Quebec, so that's cool. Yeah. See, 
Well, thank you so much, Mike. It's you know it's amazing to have you on the show. Uh, we got to do a part two, uh, you know, at some point in 2016 uh, or something, you know, or just you know shoot the shit, whatever. <laughs> you know, uh, man. So, See what's been happening in the last uh, six months. You right. know, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how can people get you? Uh, are you on social media at all? I'm on Facebook. Uh, you on Twitter now? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was. That you was, can change your password, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to because uh, yeah, it's a little bit too easy. So <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I got the Twitter now. Wow. Well, Twitter account. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah. Um, um, and uh, you know, if uh, you want to see what we're up to or what we've been up to, man, we need to update that website. It's threecubestudio.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. It's in the show notes uh, too, by the way. And um, uh, and uh, TMU, T- uh, TM Underground. Uh, I'm Mike D. Boing, mother extraordinaire, and celebrity. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. The Grand Poobah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, you're you're you are Yoda as well. Oh yeah, and uh, um, uh, I'm actually working on a major production from uh, one of the users there called Rocco. Rocco, really? Yeah, nice. yeah, and uh, big Batman fan, and we, well, he used. I, I'm assuming that he rated Eight Eye Baby for every mod, <laughs> either closely or loosely related to Batman. And uh, he made this opus, and uh, I'm editing and uh, kind of producing it, uh, finessing it a little bit uh, in post production. And uh, this is the first time he's going to have to have uh, voiceover actors. Uh, it's a little learning experience for him and uh, I don't know how that's gonna come up uh, he has his own style um, he finished uh, his uh, uh, filming part five of uh, the Batman movie it's now uh, clocking in at one hour 20 minutes uh, it's extremely violent uh, very funny Surprisingly, from and it's made by with the movies. Nice. And uh, it's really interesting the way that uh, he's been using, you know, the scenes that we have in the movies. Uh, you know, not the easiest way to work, but uh, with a little bit clever editing, camera uh, placement, uh, he's come up with a lot of good, good, good stuff. And the mods, <laughs> well, uh, I've been really busy on this one. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Um, the last I checked, I did 28 mods for this one. Very cool. Uh, yeah, uh, one of them is a brand new, never seen before, bath jet. <laughs> oh, shit. That, that also doubles as the bad boat. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh-huh. And uh, 
uh, I did, uh, I turned Batman into a car. Yeah, really? <laughs> Dang. Yeah, as a, well, it's a car prop. Uh, for some scenes, believe it or not, uh, Batman works out better when he's a car. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, I did also, you know, the Bat Pod, that uh -huh. motorcycle? Yeah, well, Batman is riding it. Get out of and here. Not, yeah, and he's not driving it like a car. He's <laughs> actually leaning on it exactly because what? Guess what? Batman is part of the bike. Wow, nice. man. Yeah. So that was interesting. Uh, I also made a SWAT van, the Joker van, uh, the police car, the Gotham City police cars. Um, what did I do again? Uh, there's so many of them. Uh, Joker uh, costumes uh, by uh, Beowulf. Beowulf uh, yeah. I had to help him out because he's on a Mac, so he can't export uh, to the movies. So. He has to send them to me. I have to go through uh, MED and then make uh, new files with it. Uh, and those are amazing. Ugh. Beowulf is my idol. I'm seriously in awe of that guy's talent. He's amazing. Yeah. Uh, he's amazing uh, facial sculptor. Uh, I He made uh, Abraham Lincoln lookalikes, Charles Bronson. Uh, he nailed it. He nailed Charles Bronson. Um, uh, yeah, Beowulf is amazing. He's he's one of those uh, creative, talented guys. Yeah, extremely talented, and uh, he's from Quebec too. Uh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, oh yeah, uh, there's this little project. Uh, I don't know if you know the Biz. The Biz, yeah, I know the Biz. Yeah, yeah, he's got this uh, the TMU movie project. He's actually. Uh, making a movie about the history of the movies, the machinima from TM Underground, uh, all the modders and uh, the producers, the directors, and uh, for, I've I've collaborated with him on the uh, modders side, uh, and put a lot of humor in it, uh, you know. And he's really good of, too. Yeah, yeah, yes. and a lot of uh, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a wild ride. I can tell you that much. Because uh, he, he actually uses uh, a lot of machinima tools like Movie Zoo, uh, iClone, oh, wow. um, uh, what's it called? Movie Storm, the, yes. movies, the movies. And uh, it's all mishmashed together, and it's really, really interesting to see all those people talking with avatars from, you know, Movie Zoo, from, uh, you know, the part will be from the movies. Another part will be for my clone. Another part will be mixed with, you know, uh, all sorts of things. Um, I believe he's even going to have video of people actually being interviewed. Uh, I don't know. Uh -huh. I, that's what I heard through the grapevine. But uh, that should be a very, very interesting, you know, movie to watch. And uh, I can't wait to see that. Oh yeah. That's, How about uh, to hit him up? I gotta hit yeah. him up. Yeah, it's been a while since yeah. I've talked to him. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Grayson, how can people get you social media? Well, you can get me on 
Twitter, obviously, even though, like I said, I am tweet challenged, uh, um, both at Movie Time Indie as well as at uh, Sonata Grayson. Also, you can get me on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Now you can get me on Skype, uh, Mike, even though I think that we've actually met each other, too, face to face towards the AFM. Um, also, you can get me on Bizipedia, my website www.pastlivesproductionsinc.net in a cell and like I say many a time if you can't find me you're not stalking me hard enough <laughs> <laughs> now, now you, you, you can get me at KenteF and I have some programming notes uh, tomorrow we will be redoing the we'll be doing the episode we should have done tonight for uh, at 4.30pm uh, Pacific uh, Tori Rush and uh, Olaf Barbosa, their uh, infectious geek show, where they're going to do some survival uh, tactics. Um, and then after that, at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, right here on Blab as well as IndieRadio.org, we will be doing our special spotlight Star Wars Episode 7 preview episode. See, the bells are ringing because they're, they're excited. So we're going we're gonna to break now what we think is going to happen so we can look foolish when it don't happen <laughs> you know we're, we'll talk about the the first six films as well and uh we're just gonna we're just gonna have fun we're gonna talk about uh you know is luke skywalker part of the dark side we're gonna give our uh, our thoughts mm-hmm. on is he uh, you know uh, kylo ren uh also we're gonna talk about what we think about him and the Knights of Ren and all of that good stuff. So we're going to break it down tomorrow. Uh, Yardley's going to be on that panel. Chris Gray of Total Nerd Takeover will be there. Uh, Cindy Brooks Sullivan is going to be there as well as Julie Gray as well. So everybody come by and participate. Um, And then Sunday is a special episode of the Spotlight because we're going to have our TMU uh, The Movies Underground uh, reunion show that we do every year at the at this time of the year, and we're going to have Ken White, founder of uh, TMU, is going to be there. The monk is going to be there. He's going to be in the building. Oh, monk is coming out hiding. The, yep, the monk will be there. Might be on camera too. You know. Uh, oh, also, uh, we we're going to have Roger, uh, Roger Strange uh, will be there, as well as Arpo is going to be there as well and then we're going to just funnel anybody you know all the people we dig up from the past uh hopefully they'll jump on and chat with us and it's going to be really cool so uh maybe we can get the biz to come on as well and talk about his film so if you uh if you speak to him tell him i'm gonna you know it's everywhere i'm gonna put it everywhere but it's going to be at noon on sunday so i wanted a chance for people that are overseas to have a chance too that's why we we're doing it on Day at noon, which is about the time that they normally did their show. So, yeah. uh, so that and last year it, we it was so much fun. I mean, you had uh, Stephen Dyson came out of the woodwork. Uh, <laughs> he was there. Uh, uh, Mac Weens came out. Oh yeah. Um, oh, it was people we hadn't seen in thirty years. You know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and a lot of them. Uh, because he's going to be in Santa, uh, but yeah, it's going to be uh, really cool. Um, all the people from the old TMU days, the movies underground. For those who are not uh, familiar with uh, with uh, TMU or TMOA, uh, we're definitely going to make you guys uh, f- uh, know what, what it's all about. 
but uh, it's um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and you know everybody come on and come out and chop it up. You know, I think uh, Ken is in a better place because last year it was a lot of it was about his cancer surgery and <laughs> and being on a catheter and you know oh, yeah. all of that. Uh, all of that. So I think it's better now, uh, as far as uh, that's concerned. So, but you know, those guys are crazy. it's the easiest show I ever do because all I got to do is introduce them, and then I can just sit in the corner, <laughs> you know, and they they do their thing. So enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. And, uh, and for everybody out there, it's like uh, we hope to also see you next week as well because we're gonna have Audrey Delaney with us. Mm-hmm. who's going to be closing out our, our this uh, season, but of course we're going to be back for next season, mm-hmm. coming in in 2016, so that's going to be our closer, mm-hmm. is Audrey Delaney on, on December the 9th. Also as well, for all of us for the weekend, a happy Hanukkah to all of us who are celebrating Hanukkah, and then therefore it's like, I'm going to be standing there and teaching graphics, like teaching little crafting things to kids. Right. Over the, uh, there. And there's two more Mars Venus. Monday Monday is going to be about jealousy. And uh, Chikiva, who's in the chat room, will be on that panel as well. And I believe Olaf is going to be on there. And Gray, you're going to come by, right? For the jealousy episode. Uh, we're going to talk about jealousy. And in our finale, the following week, we're going to do our sequel to the Sex Magic show that was really popular. So, uh, Sex Magic, believe it or not, you can actually cure what ails you through your sex. And we have practitioners that are going to come back on the show and they're going to tell you how through orgasmic medication you can actually uh, heal people. And uh, so it was a big, real popular episode we did at the end of October. So, uh, <laughs> so, so uh, what kind of meds? Uh, orgasmic medication. So, uh, and these people are real serious about that. So, wow. you know, so it was really a good episode and there, they were so nice enough to come back on the show to do a part two. So, um, so any kind of questions you guys have, and this time they'll be on video cause we're going to do it through black. It was just a, a radio podcast. So, so that is going to be the fun. So, uh, so he was right when he said I healed him. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> Alright, so we'll get you to pop on as well and chop it up. We'll 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 dig up Chris sixty two. You know, all the, the old the old guys we're gonna The old gang yeah. Oh, by the way too, uh speaking of TMU, um as you guys know that the film that uh me and Miosha worked on is uh, Hard Requittles, which was a machinima film that we yeah. made into live action and our hope was that we would show it that day, but it's probably gonna be the following week. But uh, so um, you know, it, I gotta I gotta get Mafuni. He's disappeared again, so uh, he hasn't seen the movie yet. So oh, so uh, you know, I want him to see it, see uh, his movie come to life. So so that's I, be cool. I really enjoyed the first one. So if it's anywhere near this, this is gonna be a blast. It's, it's pretty I good. Really, really, it it yeah. came out pretty good. The actors 
did amazing work. So the look uh, is incredible. I mean, uh, the actors themselves, they were like, wow, I know these guys. I've seen them before. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if this is the first time, like, uh, Machinima from our community got made into live action. I don't know that it's happened. It might have it. I just don't know it. But uh, I, I guess it's got to be, like, the first thing. So If it's... It, yeah, because uh, you know what? That's the very first time I've ever heard a Machinima movie being remade live. Um, I'm about to get with uh, Joseph K.W. Maybe we can. Uh, maybe one of the things we do is one of his uh, classics. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so Night Over Innsmouth, or you know, one of his uh, many wonderful movies. So oh yeah, you know, so he's 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 good. Man, he's good, and he's yeah. a great guy. And he's he's out here too, so uh, he's in LA. I should uh, try to hook up with him. So, oh wow, definitely. Yeah. All right, <sighs> you guys. So uh, I guess we will see you guys next week.